Well, I'm beginning a new series today called Good News. Good News. There's, a, there's enough bad news out there, isn't there? Just watch the news for about five or ten minutes and, and uh, you can walk away from that situation kind of depressed sometimes. A lot of bad news. But this, this, this idea of good news, you know, we, we call those first four um, books of the New Testament the gospel of Jesus Christ, which gospel means good news. We have good news in Jesus Christ. Ooh, all right, yeah. Okay. I thought we did anyway, so maybe, maybe I need to look at that. But uh, we, ha- we, have, we have good news in Jesus Christ. Without Him, we don't have hope. We don't have a chance. But in Him, we have all that we need, and this is good news. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, when as believers in Christ, carriers of His story, Did you get that? We're carriers of His presence. We're carriers of the very nature of Christ. When we accept Him, we surrender our lives to Him. We are carriers of the gospel of Jesus, the good news, the greatest news in the universe. Paul says this, that we have this treasure in fragile earthen vessels. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, a treasure in fragile earthen vessels, or you, you could literally translate it like this, cracked pots. Turn to your neighbor and say, for a cracked pot, you're not looking so bad today. <laughs> cracked pots carrying a treasure. Jesus said that we're to be salt and light on the earth. You know, a little bit of salt adds flavor. Light in darkness is very, it, it, it makes things very aware. I mean, you can have complete darkness and you strike a match or you put on one light source, all the eyes go to the light source. And Jesus said that we are to be salt and light on the earth, carriers of his treasure, the treasure of him in us, the message of the gospel of Jesus. It's interesting that we're called by Paul cracked pots. Almost, you almost feel like you need to say that with a British accent. I correct pulse. You know, I don't know why. <laughs> I have no idea why I thought that. But, uh... but it's interesting because you can take a cracked pot and you put a light in it. What happens to the light? You can see the light come shining out of it. And it reveals light. And so I love what Paul says is it reveals that the power and the treasure comes from him and not us. It's His truth. It's His light within us. We contain this treasure. We are are treasure carriers of the good news of Jesus. That is something to be excited about. I love what it says. Um, Jesus was giving the illustration. Remember in, in Matthew 13 when He gives several illustrations where He says the kingdom of God is like this and the kingdom of God is like this. One is about a man who finds a treasure in the field. He said this, that the kingdom of God is like a man who finds a treasure. And he says, for that treasure in this field, he goes and he sells everything so he can buy the field to con- that, that contains the treasure. And it says this, not only that he just goes and, and, and sells all he has, it says for joy, he sells everything for the treasure. Folks, with Jesus Christ, this, we, we have the good news of Jesus Christ in our hearts for the world to see. And we should live like we contain 
the treasure of God in our hearts. Amen? So we're going to be looking over these next few weeks about good news, what it means to have the good news of, of, of Jesus in us. It's going to be a challenge to us as followers of Jesus and also going to be an invitation to those who don't know him. And we want to start being on purpose to, yes, be equipped as believers, but to reach out to those that don't know Jesus Christ with the good news of the message that he came. Because we had no hope in ourselves. He came and he gave his life. He lived a life, a sinless life for us. And he demonstrated his love by taking upon our sin and our shame and our guilt. And he bore it in his body. And he suffered and died on the cross. And we know the story that he didn't stay down forever. He stayed down for three days and then he rose again. And that is good news. That those who give their lives, those who surrender their lives to him, receive his forgiveness, his cleansing. And we get to rule and reign with him forever and ever. We have eternal promises. This is good news. So I encourage you to invite someone, maybe that's searching, maybe that doesn't know Jesus, and, 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 and invite them to come along with you. And, uh, and, and we're going to be going through this, this idea of what it means to have the good, new, good news of Jesus. Today we're going to be going to John chapter 15, if you want to turn there. John chapter 15. If you're looking for a title, this is uh, Jesus the True Vine. Jesus the True Vine. Um, in context here, um, most of you guys know this, but in context, this is right before Jesus is crucified. You know, John 13, he's in the upper room with his disciples and he washes their feet. You know that story. John 14, he talks about the Holy Spirit and the promise of the Holy Spirit. John 15, he begins this talking about him being the true vine. And so we get this little glimpse. You know, we don't have every single thing that Jesus uh, discussed with his disciples, all the things that he did. In fact, I think it's the book of John that says if, if, there, were, if there were books written on about everything that he did, there would be not, not enough books to contain what he did. So that's pretty amazing. So we just get snapshots in the Gospels of the life of Jesus. And this is one of those moments, it's, it's kind of a, an interesting yet intimate moment that we get to kind of be on the fly on the wall, getting to read this scripture. You know, you ever want to, you know, you wish you were kind of in the room and were able to see what was going on. And you see the emphasis of Jesus, what was on his heart before he went to the cross. And this is one of those passages. But before I read that, I have a few questions, not just for you, but for us. What is your source of life? Love that song that we just sing. You are the source of life. What is your source of life? What gets you up in the morning? What excites you? What is your source of life? What are you connected to? What is your life attached to you that gives you life? What are you plugged into? Picture you will, like every human heart has an extension cord coming out of it. And we get to plug it into something that gives us life, that gives us the source of life. And I'm not talking about physical life. I'm talking about spiritual life, joy, contentment. What, what is that plugged into for you? And I want us to think about those questions as we move along here. I'm going to read John 15, verses 1 through 17. I want you to catch Jesus here. 
And again, if you're familiar with this passage, uh, don't, let it, don't let it just like blow past you where you go, oh yeah, I, I'm familiar with that. I want you to hear what he's conveying. And he's sitting in this room with his disciples and he's about to go to the cross and, and he's saying something that's very important. Jesus didn't just waste words. This was something that was deep on his heart and he was trying to convey something to these guys. And he says this in John 15, 1, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. That word remain there is he's talking about an intimate relationship. He's not talking about religion. Remain in me. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's an interesting passage there. This is my Father's glory, glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And folks, he was getting ready to display that in a very real way. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. So again, I want us to hear that just with new ears and just what Jesus is trying to convey. I love in verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. The true vine. I am, what he's saying is, I am the true source of life. When he says the word true there, I am the true vine, he's talking about authentic real. This is what the world around us is looking for, authenticity. You know, most rebellion in church really is, is against a system or a tradition and not really to Jesus. I mean, it can manifest where it becomes rebellion towards Jesus, but a lot of times rebellion starts with that, that people have been trying to be conformed in a system or a tradition. And I'm convinced that through the power of the Holy Spirit, if we reveal to people the authentic Jesus, we are going to see life transformation. Because there's an authenticity to him. There's a realness to him. And he said, I am the true vine. I am the authentic vine. I am the true source of life. The vine isn't a religious system or a church. 
The vine isn't a denominational affiliation. It isn't a tradition. The true vine is Jesus, and the true source of life is found in Him. It's interesting that Jesus used that word true because that, that means He was revealing that there are vines or sources of life that are not true that people will try to find life in or plug their life into. Did you catch that? He goes, I'm the true vine. So what he was saying there is there are, there are vines that people try to plug themselves into and find life that are not fulfilling and not the true source of life. They are cheap imitations. How many pop drinkers do we have? People like pop? Oh, man, these, those boys in the back row, man. <laughs> Mountain Dew fans? Okay, I know Devin Astley seems like Mountain Dew. Um, I, I've seen that, man. I've seen him with the cases of that stuff. Now, let me ask you guys. Now, um, I, I'm not a big pop drinker, but do you like Mountain Lightning? It's okay. Most pop drinkers, you know, if, if, they're, if, they're, if they're just like pop generally, they don't care. But there are some people that are hardcore, like Mountain Dew. You try to give them Mountain Lightning, they don't want that stuff. You know, Mountain Lightning, that's not Mountain Dew. That's a cheap imitation. Dr. Thunder. And I'm talking about people that really it matters to them, and you start bringing that stuff to them, they, they do not want to mess with that stuff. It doesn't taste the same to them. I know people like that. It's a cheap imitation. What about clothing? What about clothing? Do you like cheap imitation clothing? I remember as a high school kid that... You know, nowadays, it's, it's, it's not so, such a big deal with kids anymore. Maybe it is. Parents would probably disagree with me. But uh, name brand stuff, or, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, you, when I was in high school, there was, like a, there, was a, there was a uniform that you wore. Not a real uniform, but there were certain things that kids wore, that were the popular kids. And I remember my, my dad retired from the Air Force. And when we were in the Air Force, everybody was poor, so it didn't really matter. So, uh, but I moved, we moved to Tennessee where, man, the uniform was in play. And you had to have a certain type of jeans, a certain type of shirt. And here's an, mix in this, an insecure teenager, which I was, with uh, a militant mother who was not going to waste money on frivolous things such as clothing. She was like a uh, mall vader, you know. Mm, 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 that was my mother, boy. Mom, can I, I don't like, you know, I, I thought that she was going to. Um... It was bad, people, I'm, I'm telling you. I don't want that, Mom. You know, it looks goofy, and I'm going to get made fun of as a kid, you know, and uh, this is really important to me. And, oh, we had massive explosions at malls. Some of the moms are yes and amen to that. Some of the kids are saying yes and amen to that. I remember one time my mom uh, bought this kind of, you know, kind of nice. It was like at a, at a yard sale polo shirt. It was the days of IZOD. Remember when IZOD was huge? Any IZOD? 80s people, come on. Where's the IZOD people? IZODs and take your jeans and roll them and peg leg them up. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Levi's. Don't get any other thing than Levi's. My mom bought this shirt for like three bucks, and she found an old ratty Izod shirt, so she took the little alligator off the one shirt, 
and she sewed it on to the other shirt, except the alligator was crooked. But I was, I was styling and profiling some Izod, you know. Don't look at the, don't look at the tag, because it doesn't say Izod, you know, but it was a cheap imitation. I was pretty happy to have it, but, uh, th- you know, and these are humorous things when, when, when we talk about cheap imitations, and it's probably okay in shopping. I mean, you know, I, I buy deals all the time. People compliment my shirt, and I, for whatever reason, you know, you, you got to tell them how much you paid for it. I don't know why. Ten bucks. <laughs> I didn't pay full price. Humorous analogy in shopping, but I don't want to bank my eternity on a cheap imitation. Because basically, for a cheap imitation, what we're saying is, I'm not willing to pay the full price to get the real thing. But to follow Jesus, He is the real thing. And I want to pay the price to follow Him. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, one one text, He says this, you need to count the cost. Do not go to a cheap imitation. You need to count the cost of what it's going to cost you. It is not, what he's saying is, this is not for the faint of heart. Christianity is not for weaklings. It's going to alter your life completely. I want you to count the cost. He talks about turning from your selfish ambition, taking up your cross, and following him turning from our way of doing things, our our life of sin, maybe our control, and surrendering to Him. I want the real authentic Jesus, and I don't want a cheap imitation. We were created, folks, to bear fruit, and that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. And when I'm talking about what is your life plugged into, and that can, be, that can be for unbelievers of, you know, where you're finding your source of life, but folks, it can be for us as believers. Where do we find our source of life? Or what Jesus is saying too is to his disciples, another question is, what fruit is your life producing? These are great questions to, to look and, and examine our own hearts before the Lord. What fruit does my life produce? And we're told by Jesus, you know, that, that, that passage of says, you know, where he says, don't judge or you will be judged. But in Matthew 12, he says, you will know what type of tree you're looking at by its fruit. So we're not to judge, but we are to be fruit inspectors. Because we can say we are one thing, but if we are producing fruit that is a different type of, of, of fruit, then we're known by the fruit that we produce. And this, this passage where Jesus is, he's, he's, he talks about being fruitful, and then he talks about intimacy. He's talking about the source of life found in himself. That if you want to produce good fruit, that you are plugged into him. And he uses this illustration talking about him being the true vine. And you think about this vine or a tree, and it says that we are the branches, that the source of life is found in that main part of the vine. You, you think of a, a, a cluster, a grape of, uh, a, a, a grape of clusters, I almost said that, a cluster of grapes out of a vine. 
And their source of life is attached back to that vine. They have no life in and of themselves. They draw life from somewhere. And if you pluck those grapes off and if you don't eat them or do something with them pretty soon and you just lay them down, they will just wither and they will die. And so Jesus is using this analogy of him being the true vine, us being branched into him. And the question is, what kind of fruit is our life producing? That which we are connected to will determine the fruit that our lives produce. Did you hear that? That which we are connected to will determine the fruit that our lives produce. So what's the fruit that we should be producing? It's really twofold. The first fruit is that what He does in us. The second is what He does through us. So it's in us first. It's this relationship with Him. And we've got to get this one straight first. And we've got to be connected to the true vine. So it's, it's the fruit that He produces in us. And then He produces fruit through us. So number one is the fruit that he, he accomplishes in us. And this is through the surrendered life. This is saying, Lord, I want to be connected to you. Lord, I want to take that, the extension cord of my heart and I'm going to plug it into you because you are the source of life. You are the true source of life. There is no other source of life that can be found anywhere else except in you. You are the true source of life. Lord, I don't want to keep unplugging it and trying to find something else that will give me contentment. But I want to stay plugged into you. And we surrender our lives and we are walking with him and, and, and he begins to develop us to become more and more like Jesus. That's why in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, we see the Holy Spirit's work in, in the life of a person that is submitted to the Lord. And you can look at this passage, and again, we've heard this, but um, this, this can, can, be, can be brought out like this. A believer should have fruit, and through the fruit in us, then God develops things through us, and that's where you see spiritual fruit, spiritual gifts. We need both. What does it mean to be spirit-filled? You see it in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these. And when we are submitted to Jesus Christ, we are becoming more and more like Him because this is a description of Him. And if you want more of this in your life, you have to be connected to that which can make you more like Him and be connected to Jesus. This is the primary fruit that God wants to produce in our lives. This is His presence in us, being changed from glory to glory, being more and more like Him in the image of Jesus. Now, this is a process. We're all in process. Thank God. We're growing more and more to be like Him, and this should be our desire is Holy Spirit come in and make me more like Jesus every day. When we're submitted to His love, His joy, His peace, His patience, His kindness, His goodness, His faithfulness, His gentleness, and His self-control, then He trusts us to bear fruit through us. Because that's the second thing, is that He wants us to become more like Him, and that's in us, and then He trusts us 
to produce fruit through us. Romans 7.4 says this, My dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ, and now you're united with one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds, or fruit in some translations, for God. This is, as we, as we are becoming more like him, this is the fruit that he bears through us. This is what it means to, when we begin to be a witness or we share the gospel with others. We encourage people. We serve the, the people around us. We help the poor. This is fruit that God is doing through us. And this is the place where he then pours out his spiritual gifts. Is when, he, when his life is in us and then he pours through us. And this is where the place of spiritual gifts can happen. But they happen within the context of spiritual gifts. Fruit, fruit, and gifts. It is interesting that there are nine fruits of the Spirit and there are nine gifts of the Spirit. I don't think that that's by accident. And remember what Jesus said in, in Matthew 12, you'll know a tree by its fruit. You're not going to know a tree by its gifts. You'll know a tree by its fruit. And that's what Paul was so trying to emphasize in 1 Corinthians 13. We're all familiar with it. It's the love chapter. And he says, you know, he goes on to say later on, love is this and love is this and love is this. And it's not this. But at the beginning, he says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and I don't have love, I'm just noisy. You know, if I have faith that could move mountains, and, and that's huge to have faith that can move mountains. If I have if I'm able to reveal all kinds of mysteries and have this supernatural knowledge, and if I don't have love, he said, it profits me nothing. In other words, he's saying, it's great that you want the gifts. You should desire the gifts, but we should walk in the fruit of the Spirit so that God trusts us with the gifts of the Spirit. If I prophesy to someone, and then I walk away, and I am backbiting, and I'm gossiping, and I'm being mean-spirited, do you see that? There's, a, there's something missing. There's a disconnect there. God in heaven, help us to have the fruit of the Spirit, the life, the presence, and the, and, and, the, and the ministry of Jesus in us with his fruits. I want people to see God's love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness. We need both. We need both. And so where do we go from there? The absolute essential of, uh, how do we get this in us? The absolute essential is abiding or remaining in Jesus. This is probably one of the, the clearest messages that he's trying to uh, tie this, this, this whole idea of him being the true vine, us being the branches. And he says this word, abide or remain in me, several times. And again, this is, what he's talking about is intimacy or relationship with himself. The Lord emphasized the necessity of abiding or remaining seven times in this text. Seven. You think that he might be trying to say that this is an important idea. Not to miss it. This, the, the, the verb there, when you think of remain or abiding, it, it, the, the verb in the Greek is mino. It's, it's used 118 times in the New Testament. 67 times in John's writings. And here's what it means. Sustaining a union with, 
continuing with or being steadfast or enduring with. It is relationship with endurance is what he's saying. Commitment with endurance. Perseverance, not giving up. Saying, Lord, I'm going to remain in you no matter what comes my way. That giving up, unplugging from you, disconnecting from you is not an option. I'm going to give my heart and my life to you. So Jesus, the true vine, we are the branches. The true vine provides the water. It provides the nutrients in which fruit lives and thrives. Without the vine, no fruit could ever result. Branches are utterly dependent upon the vine. And without Jesus as the true vine, there is no spiritual life that we can ever have. Life in its fullness completely resides in the vine. And then Jesus starts talking about something else. And this is the, sometimes the painful part. He talks about cutting and pruning in verses 1 through 3. Listen to what he says. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse 2. And on the surface, these can look like the same thing. When you think of pruning or cutting, you can think, well, it's the same thing. If you've ever pruned a bush or pruned a plant, you're cutting it off. But Jesus makes a distinction here. He's saying, you're called to produce fruit. So if, if, there is, if there is a branch on the vine that is not producing fruit, that thing needs to be completely removed and, th- and cast to the side. It's not producing fruit. On the other hand, if there's, if there's fruit being produced in a branch, he said, we're going to prune that so it can produce more fruit. We have these bushes next to our house, and man, those things are almost annoying. I mean, we cut, them thing, we, we cut those things down to about right here, you know, and then they're 10 feet tall again, you know, and, and, and you're like, whoa, you know, I, I cut them down because I just didn't want to see them anymore. They're not that pretty anyway, but you know what I'm saying. But the, the, we pruned them and they grew. And Jesus is, 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 is revealing something about his heart here. He's saying, you are called to produce fruit in your life. And that's why he's saying, don't, be just, don't just be about words. And James says, you need, we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And doers of the word is that fruit that is an operation in our lives. Are we producing fruit? And if we're not... He removes it. If we are, he prunes us so that we can produce more fruit. Pruning is defined as maintaining the health, increasing the yield. You know, it can seem cruel on the surface. Hey, that looks like good fruit. Ouch, what, are, what is going on here? And you think about us being those branches of getting pruned by the Lord. Especially if you're, you're producing fruit and you're, you're seeing some victory in life, isn't that the time where the Lord will come and say, you know, hack? And it just can seem so painful. Lord, what are you doing in my life right now? Things were going, I had some victory and things were going great and there was some fruit being produced and man, I just feel like I'm back kind of in the wilderness. And he said, that's exactly right. And we're going to be alone together for a while because I'm getting you ready for the next thing that is ahead. Remain in me. Remain in me. Pruning is the most vulnerable time for a plant. 
Why does God prune? He, he wants us to produce large amounts of fruit in our lives. When there is cutting, remain in Jesus. No matter the circumstances, remain in Him. His presence, His Word, His redemption on the cross. True life is found in Jesus. How does He prune? First of all, through discipline. It's interesting, this was the, the, the Sunday school class for those that were in there. Um, I didn't just write this now, it's been in my notes. So, Hebrews chapter 12. The writer says that whom God loves, He disciplines. And he even says discipline is not enjoyable for the moment, but it produces a harvest. And so when you're being disciplined by God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when you've gone your way and the Lord is, is correcting your path and it hurts and it's painful, just like a loving parent would correct their child's path if they're, doing, if they're going through the wrong thing, Embrace God's discipline. I'm not saying you have to jump up and go, yippee, you know, this is so much fun. The writer even says it's, it's, it's hard for the moment. But embrace His discipline because He loves you. He loves me. It's also a removal of the old to make room for the new of what He's doing, the new season, the new life that He's wanting to put in us. Jesus said you can't put new wine into old wineskins. You can't pr produce old fruit on a new branch. And he is, He's moving us and he, we're all in, always in constant change and the church should be in change and, the, and, and you see the seasons of change. You know, our farmers, they can speak to you about change and the seasons and there's planting, there's growing and the, you pray for rain and you pray for sunshine and, and then the harvest comes and then it's a change of season. We're in constant change. But he prunes to make room for the new, the new thing that he's doing. He also can prune through suffering. I think about the people in Japan right now that are going through intense suffering. And there's people in this church body, some of your relatives, some people that we know that are going through suffering, and suffering can take on different manifestations, and it's, sometimes it's, God, what are you doing? And God, obviously there's an allowance of God. God. I don't think God brings the suffering, but there's an allowance in this fallen, broken world. And what He can take, what the enemy meant for evil, and He can turn it into something good. Because all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. So He can take suffering, and He can make beauty out of ashes. And He can give joy in the place of despair. And He can make people wounded healers to produce fruit even through suffering. And in verse 5, you know, we can do a lot of stuff. Jesus said, Jesus said this, apart from me, when he's saying, he goes, I am the true vine, you are the branches. And in verse 5, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do a lot of stuff. We can make things happen. We can manipulate things. We can take control of things. But what Jesus is saying is, as he was saying that he's the true source of life, without him, we can do no good, true thing for him. Without him, we can do nothing. It amounts to nothing. Our hard work, our willpower amounts to nothing without him when we're not tied and connected to him. 
And I love verse 8, and I'm going to close down with this. And I keyed on this as I read it. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Listen to this. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Disciples bear fruit. Disciples bear fruit. When we say with our mouth that I'm a follower of Jesus, does our life, does the fruit of our life show that we are? Again, I ask this as much to myself as to anyone in here. Does my life reflect the words that I speak? This guy, Craig Rochelle, just wrote a book called The Christian Atheist. It says, saying you're a Christian, but living as if you're not. And that's the premise of the book. I'm excited about reading it at some point. But it, just, it, it is, it is to, uh, to examine our own hearts of saying, what fruit is my life producing? Because as disciples, we are called to bear fruit. And today you might say that you are here, maybe you're a dry branch that Jesus was talking about. Maybe you've been detached. Maybe you've been plugged into something else. Maybe you're a dead branch here today. Well, the great thing about being a dead branch is realizing you're dead and Jesus can graft you back into the vine. It's a beautiful thing that Jesus can do. What are you connected to? Maybe you're here today and you've been, you're being pruned. Maybe you're going through some discipline right now. Maybe you're in a wilderness situation and you're kind of trying to, it's really hard for you to know what's going on and you can't tell up from down and you know that feeling. Well, God wants to draw near to you today. I love what Nick Vujicic says. He says, if you're looking to temporary things to bring you happiness, your happiness will be temporary. Isn't that good? What are we attaching our lives to? What are we, what are we, where are we getting life from? Today is a day of mercy to unplug from those things and plug our lives into Jesus Christ. He came to give life to the fullest, and that means contentment and peace and, and joy. And I'm not talking about earthly things. I'm, not, I'm talking about eternal things in our hearts that only He can do. Let's pray. Jesus, today we, we come before you, Lord, and we want to just say thank you, God, for your great grace once again. And Jesus, as your invitation was for us to abide in you, remain in you, and you were talking about intimacy, and you, the, the, really the place of being a branch in you is the place of, 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 of relationship. I didn't get on into it, but later on he starts talking about how we should love each other. And the world, they're going to know that we're Christians by our love, the song says. But it's a biblical principle. That they will know that we are Christians by our love. Love for God, love for each other. So Jesus, we receive your love right now. And I just want to take a moment that if you're here today, with no one looking around, I, I, we want to just have a response to the Lord. If you're here today, and maybe your life has been plugged into other things, you've been looking for fulfillment, you've been looking for joy, you've been looking for peace in all the wrong places, and you've been taking that, 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 that plug and plugging it 
here and there and everywhere else. And, 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 then, and Jesus is saying, stop doing that and plug your life into me. And that doesn't mean that, you know, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're not a believer, maybe you are a believer and you've been doing it. But if that's you today and you wanted to, to make that response back to the Lord, and, and again, that you count the cost and we say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I surrender and I submit to you. I want to turn from my ways of doing things. I want to repent. Repent means to turn around and go the other direction. And Lord Jesus, I want to give you control and I want to surrender and I want to plug my life into you. And if that's you today, I want you to raise your hand. There's no shame in realizing that, that, that you have the need of this. So anybody in the room, Okay, maybe you're here today and that you, you're dry. And you're just kind of going through the motions of life right now. You're, you're just, you feel very dry, you feel like a dry branch. And, uh, and the Lord is just saying today, He's just saying, I, in a fresh way, I want you to plug into me and know my love and let His life be in you and through you. If that's you today, will you raise your hand? Because I want to pray for you. Thank you. Several hands going up. Thank you. And then the last thing is this. Maybe you're in a season of pruning right now. You're, you're going through it. Maybe you're in a time of discipline. Maybe you're in a time of wilderness and it just it feels like God is a million miles away from you. I want to tell you, He's there. And I know it's hard, and I'm not going to try to pretend that it's not difficult. It is. It's very hard, but the Lord wants to draw near to you today and give you hope and you know, and that, that, that wilderness can be a trial. It can be, um, you know, loneliness. It can be all kinds of different things or discipline, whatever it is. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. Thank you. And will everybody else just agree with me in prayer for these that raise their hands. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we want to take this moment right now and we want to pray for these, God, that have lifted their hands just in faith to you. Lord, an act of just say, Lord, I, I, I surrender and, I, and, and I, I just bring this all to you, God. We pray for your hope, your grace, your mercy into every heart right now in Jesus' name. Lord, for those who have been, they're just dry, feeling kind of lifeless spiritually, I pray right now, God, that they would be plugged into you in a fresh way, that your presence would be very real. Lord, even tomorrow, God, that they would just sense your presence, your nearness, oh God, and, and that they would walk with you in a new way and just say, I'm not going to plug into those other things. I'm plugging into Jesus. Lord, we ask for your, your life to be breathed on them right now. And Jesus, for those that are maybe being pruned, enduring discipline, Lord, enduring a wilderness situation, God, and Lord, I pray, God, because I've been in those discipline times before, um, Lord, I pray that we would embrace your discipline because you love us. That, Lord, we would, we, we would leave here and we would, not, we would not go out of this place the same way that we came in, that we say, Lord, I'm embracing your discipline. I'm embracing your work in me. I'm forsaking my sin. I'm forsaking the way I've done things. I'm, I'm forsaking being in control and I'm surrendering my life to you in a new way. God, I pray for courage right now in Jesus' name for those. Lord, for those that are in a wilderness going through a very difficult time, God, draw near. Holy Spirit, minister your peace and your presence. 
And Lord, as your church, God, we purpose our hearts, Lord, today to be plugged into you. Lord, that's how we want to live, plugged into you. Lord, that you would produce a harvest of fruit in us and a harvest of fruit through us to a lost and dying world. Thank you that we have the good news of Jesus. That, Lord, you came, you lived life, you died for us, and you rose again, and now you are seated in heaven. Lord, that we can have the hope, eternal hope, and the good news that, Jesus, you're real. And we give our hearts to you today, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Hope to see you next week.